Hello and welcome to Level Up and Friends with those of us from the video game and, electron- and uh, comic book store, Level Up Entertainment in the Hamilton Mall in South Jersey. Uh, get together with some of our friends and we discuss some of our favorite topics. Uh, uh, this week we're doing Ghostbusters. Um, I'm from the store this week. I'm Scott. And with me, I've got Kendall. Hello. And I've also got Harry. do Egon. Yes. Uh, and... We're clearly very all excited about uh, Ghostbusters. Um, I know I had you guys on to talk about Back to the Future, which was your two favorite movies. Ghostbusters is mine. It beats Back to the Future by a, by a, a hair for me. They're very close. It used to be like whichever one I saw most recently was my favorite. But I think Ghostbusters just wins a little bit. Um, a lot of that comes to nostalgia for me. I just This and Ninja Turtles were my two biggest jams as a kid. Um, I loved the real Ghostbusters when I was little. Uh, that was on when I was like two, three. I was super into it. So I don't know how early you guys were when you were introduced to it. Because the movie is very much not for uh, the age I was when I was into <laughs> Ghostbusters as a kid. Um, so I don't know if you guys, did you guys watch the cartoon first? Did you watch the movie first? Um, I don't remember what came first for me. Um much like Back to the Future and Ninja Turtles, I don't really remember life before those things. Um, Even if you could, would you call that living? Yeah, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, always been around. Uh, Yeah, watch the cartoon, watch the movie. Used to pretend the garden hose was a proton gun. Oh yeah, man. What about you, Hair? Uh, for me, I I can I'm a little younger than you guys, like we talked about on the Back to the Future uh, mm-hmm. podcast. So for me, I think I can pinpoint it exactly. It was it was the cartoon, but specifically the toy line that came after the cartoon, and specifically to that, it was the Kenner Ecto One toy. When I saw that car, I thought it was one of the coolest movie cars I've ever seen. Coolest toy. A kid on my block had it. I was always rushing over there. We were putting like other action figures into the car to play yeah. with it. Um, but that that car is what sparked my entire interest in the franchise. And it was like working my way backwards from there uh, to see it. Because at that point, the real Ghostbusters had finished uh, airing uh, the actual episodes. It was like on repeats i think it was like on usa network or something yeah, i think it was on usa uh, at that point but yeah so, yeah so i wasn't watching them live as they were coming out but it was that gap period where like the first cartoon was uh, off the air but it was airing in reruns and then extreme ghostbusters was just about to start in like the late 90s so it's like in there yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about the the movie or maybe like i, I want i have some more uh, early memories because i think now we've all had at least one halloween uh where we've dressed up as ghostbusters um for me it was uh 1988 because my brother had just been born because he's born at the beginning of october and we have uh, a home video footage and this is the first costume i got to pick out for myself because uh, before then I was like one and two. So it's like, whatever. My parents just dressed me up as a clown or something. Um, but I, I specifically was Egon from the real Ghostbusters because he was my favorite. I had one of those plastic, like sharp edged face masks. I had my proton pack toy and I was just going around town, just blasting stuff. I was so excited. <laughs> awesome. 
Um, and uh, now I have a real big boy Ghostbusters costume behind me. Uh, it's been behind me every episode I've recorded here because it sits in a box and that's where the box sits. Um, I was never a Ghostbuster for Halloween, but the earliest Halloween costume I can remember, I, my mom, uh, took a piece of cardboard, cut it in a circle, spray painted it red, threw a sheet with holes on top for me, and I was the Ghostbusters logo. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I wish I had a picture of that. I know. Oh. I know one exists. Uh, probably, I, maybe that costume needs to have a comeback. Oh man, that'd be great. Yeah, a, do it. That's a good simple one in these uh COVID times. Yeah, for real. Just bust out. Mm-hmm. Uh for for me, I, dressing up as a Ghostbuster happened for the first time just last year. Like mm-hmm. I love the franchise but never went, you know, with the uh the costume. I every Comic-Con, you know, you'd always see the the Ghostbuster crews and like, you know, I I saw I I know that there's the local franchises that they have where where people costume and squad up. Um, but I, my friends were going to Boogie Nights here in Atlantic City, and it's an 80s themed club, and I needed a quick costume and rushed to Spirit and grabbed like their Ghostbuster costume off the wall. And, you know, and then I wore that for uh, handing out candy to the kids. And my neighbors across the street had ghosts projected on their house. And uh, one of the coolest things, like some kids ran up, they saw that I was a Ghostbuster. I had the proton pack and it had the wand that you could attach. And a kid came up and grabbed the wand and started shooting my neighbor's house. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? This is like really cool. And and from that, I wanted to do a, a better costume than just the spirit Halloween costume. Not that there's anything wrong with spirit, but you know, I yeah, wanted no, to upgrade yeah, a little it's bit. It's good to get your foot in the door of the spirit stuff. It's not yeah. bad. Like, yeah. I, like most of my accessories I think have come from spirit are, you know, at least have the spirit logo on the boxes. Um, but yeah, so we might as well talk a little bit about the the movie that started it all, uh, Ghostbusters, nineteen eighty four. Um, Harry, you mentioned you're younger than us. We're all younger than the movie. Uh, I wasn't born until December of the next year, and Kendall, you were the year after that. Um, but it was, because of that, it was one of those things that just was always omnipresent. It was such a big monolithic pop culture thing. Like maybe one of my earliest memories of it was uh, they did like a parody of it in Muppet Babies. Um, <laughs> I know Miss Piggy was like a giant marshmallow monster and they would super cut like footage of Stay Puft Marshmallow Man walking around. Um, I know my dad would always lie to me that that was a real marshmallow brand and I'd always trying to find it. <laughs> but I would always, you know, have tried to drink Ecto Cooler uh, and other things. In fact, another early memory I had, I had these glow in the dark Slimer pajamas. Um, and I remember when I got really sick and had to go to the hospital and they had to take uh, x-rays of me. It was the middle of the night and I was wearing those. And because they glue in the dark, like they were screwing up my x-rays. So I had to like take them off. Oh, I no. very distinctly remember that like being a thing. They're like, oh yes, timer's screwing up your x-rays. <laughs> um, but the movies, I, I, I know I called Back to the Future Perfect and I kind of hesitate to call Ghostbusters that because it's not quite as tight as Back to the Future. But like so much, of, like almost every line in it is like quotable and iconic. Even like the mundane, like, you know, when they're trying to get the money for it, it's like he didn't even argue with the guy, you know, like 
one of the lines I use from it the most is you've never worked in the private specter. I have, they expect results. Um, <laughs> like it's such a mundane little throwaway piece of dialogue, but like, it's just everything in it just sticks out to me so much. And I, I think it's one of those things that like, even if you like, I've watched it my whole life over and over, but I feel like even if you don't haven't ever seen it, like today, I think it would still hold up and be a good movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's lightning in a bottle. I think it was such a, a strange mix of various creative visions between and the chemistry of the leads. And it just kind of worked because two years, two or three years later, when I don't oh know. So five years later, because it came out in 89, Ghostbusters 2 came out. Same writers, same director, same actors basically the same plot and it's nowhere near as good. Uh, in fact, that's one of the earliest movies I remember seeing in theaters is Ghostbusters 2. And it scared me so bad. Like I remember distinctly leaving after the giant ghost in the archway comes out at the end. And I was just like, I can't take this anymore. And I remember the slime coming out of the bathtub to grab at the baby. Like whenever I would drain the tub after taking a bath, like it would make this horrible like draining sound. And it scared me so much that I drain it and run out of the bathroom like immediately. Um, for, I did that for years um, because it sounded like something was coming up out of it. And it's, it oh, scared me so bad. So it took me a long time to go back to that one. But I just, I was always, the cartoon and all the other things always kind of really kept me uh, in, in fandom for the franchise, even if it mm-hmm. scared me as a kid. Did, uh, did the first movie scare you at all? It's weird. It didn't. I think that might be because I saw it at home on tape. So like you can kind of like you're at home and you're safe and it's physically smaller. And like I can kind of like leave and do other things while I'm doing it. When you're in the theater, like that's kind of all you've got and it's big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, surround sound. I would argue that there's only like one really kind of scary scene in that first movie. And then just like the monsters, the the second movie has a lot more of that. Like, I mean, it's always played for laughs. It's very goofy, but the second movie feels a little more like has some more horror elements. The subway with the heads on the pikes. Oh my god, that really messed me up. I I feel like the second movie has more of an influence, like from the 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 real Ghostbusters cartoon. Like now Slimer's friendly and like a lot cuter looking. Like the monsters are more cartoony in my opinion in that movie. Like they're, they're more like gross and scary and more monstery in the first movie. So, but I, I don't know, just as far as like, and maybe it's also something to be said. I mean, we're jumping, jumping around talking about the second movie. Uh, yeah. But there might be something to be said about like the grittiness of New York city. I feel like is a lot more like prevalent, like not that they're not in the city in the first movie, but the second one just like feels a lot like, I don't know. Just like the slime, like changing everyone's like, moods and personality like that whole like montage where like the mink coat comes alive and mm-hmm. starts like, running mm-hmm. around see i think the montage in the first movie is better when the ghosts come out of the containment unit and there's the zombie taxi driver 
and like Slimer comes out of the the hot dog cart and there's just like that blue one comes flying out of the subway like I don't know right. I don't think any of that's the only like kind of scary part to me in the first one is when Dana gets possessed by Zoom. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. The I also voice. feel like the first movie, like the city is uh, as much a character as anyone else. There's so many locations to go to. They go to the library, Central Park West, Tavern on the Green, which is no longer there. The firehouse is obviously a real firehouse in real life. I'm just talking about scary level. Yeah. Um, yeah I will but, say that that's, that subway scene is probably the scariest scene in that, the, that one the did two me movies. In. Yeah. yeah. Well, like there's also uh, the part where they're doing the echoes and then like Winston does one and it just, it doesn't. And then it says his name really creepy. Like, like, like that's, that's scarier than anything in the first movie. Yeah, that was mm. But anyway, back to the but first. Back to the first movie. And I, I wanted to bring this up because I just was listening to the Level Up uh, 13th anniversary episode of the podcast that you did. Mm-hmm. And like one of my favorite parts about the first movie is, you know, at its surface, yes, it's like this supernatural comedy and, and you have a good time thinking about the ghosts and everything. But it, like underneath, it's a going into business story. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's starting your own business, hiring employees, all the headaches that come with that. You know, finding rent space, space to rent. Um, and it was just funny listening to the Level Up story about doing all those things and putting it with the backdrop of oh, I'm gonna go talk about Ghostbusters. Um, it, yeah. It's it's a really grounded story. Um, which I think is what you need as a foundation before you start adding all these supernatural elements and comedy and everything like that. Well, I, I think that's the secret sauce to the first Ghostbusters movie is there's a very gradual buildup to a giant Stay Puft marshmallow man walking down the street. But because you've been with these, like the world is real, like realistic and the monsters are treated seriously. Like our main act, our main characters are goofy, but they're kind of goofy in like a realistic world. And because you're kind of with them for the ride and you're building as you go, like every step of the way, by the time like stuff starts getting really crazy, like you're already there for the ride. Um, and I, I think that's a weakness of Ghostbusters too. Like why do they have to go into business again? It's just to tell the same kind of beats over and over and with a much less interesting antagonist. Not that Ghostbusters really like on screen all that much, but like there's so much buildup to, to it. And, like, the terror dogs have more of a presence than, like, Janusz does. Although I kind of like Janusz in his own way. Um, but the terror dogs are really scary. Uh, they scared me a lot when I was a kid. Uh, that's true. They did, they did freak me out. It makes they, for a better climatic battle, too, at the end. You know, you have the four Ghostbusters against the giant Stay, Par- Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Whereas in the second one, yes, they get the Statue of Liberty, and that's a great set piece. But, like, what are they ultimately fighting? A painting. And like he barely gets out of the painting in the second one. So and even if he did, he was and even if he did, he was going to possess a baby. Like right, it's it's just kind of missing that big final battle that uh, the first one had. Yeah, um, yeah. I just that, that's why when um, skip ahead a little bit when the remake came out, I was like, it, I didn't particularly care for it, but I wasn't like, oh my god, my childhood is ruined because my my big takeaway with it was. Oh, women can make just as bad a Ghostbuster sequel as the original cast. Just like, eh, it's okay. It's got a couple of bits that are funny. Like I'd say, Egon's got the best stuff in the second movie, I, and it's all before they go back to being Ghostbusters. I love his experiments. I'm like, oh, let's take the see what happens when we take the puppy away, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things. Like, it's not terrible, and I I do have affection for it. 
but it's just it's just not as good. They, like I said, I don't think they could recapture the magic. I, um, I will defend the courtroom scene in the second movie. Yeah, the courtroom that. scene is amazing. Yes. Um, well, how legally favorite, accurate? One of my favorite Ghostbusters scenes. Um, oh, yeah, I know you're a big fan so of the Scolari brothers. I love the Scolari brothers. <laughs> oh, Friends of yours? God, they're all that that courtroom scene is start to finish gold. Um, That's the magic. Like that bit there is it feels the most like the first movie. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I will say my nitpicks with that scene is there's they I felt like their catchphrases were a little forced, like the Do Ray Egon thing. <laughs> and uh what, what did they say? Two in the trap. Two in the box. Right in the box. Good. Like, We'd be fast, maybe slow. Like, yeah, eh. I like that kind of stuff. It just it feels like they'd been working together for a period of time, and like they have that rapport now. It, um, it just felt know. more natural, like the lines in the first movie. Like that's yeah. not nearly as much fun as like back off, man. I'm a scientist, which is just <laughs> dialogue. But I, I mean, I don't know. They don't bother me. Yeah, like they've been working together for so long, and they are having fun with their job. I, uh, I almost feel like if the movie had opened with them kind of at the top of their game, you know, people might have liked it more. I think seeing them five years later, kind of down their luck, they put themselves out of business. I think that just starts the movie off on like a downer that well, a lot Ghost of people are, are best when they're, they're schlubby and kind of underdogs. Like we know that yeah. they're the things that they're talking about. I guess, I don't know. I think also like a giant marshmallow monster walking down the street would like change reality too much. <laughs> Everyone kind of had to forget that like a million ghosts attacked the city like a couple years ago. I know they kind of wave it off as like a like a mass hysteria, like practical, like they did some sort of trick. Um, I like that. Uh, I guess we'll start talking about some of the follow ups they did to it because uh, in the game uh, Ghostbusters, the video game, which came out twenty thirteen ish, twenty fourteen, something like that. Um, they just recently remastered it for modern consoles. 2009, um, it says. 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. God, time flies. Um, but uh, it's it's a direct sequel to Ghostbusters 2. I think it takes place in 1991, 1992. Mm-hmm. So it's a couple years after it. In their time, obviously, it's uh, you know decades after in reality. But it's written by you know Dan Aykroyd, Hal Ramis, uh, and I think Ivan Reitman. All of the original cast are back. Uh, to, to reprise the characters, it really felt like a really fun sequel to Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It, it is the Lost Ghostbusters three, and even if you you can't play it, I'm sure there's a compilation of all the videos of it on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, so you can just you can watch it as a movie. But I I think it's a very worthy successor. Um, the story that, has great tiebacks too to both of the movies. Um, they do a great job of making it so that you're seeing sets that you're familiar with, but you're not just reliving and re just playing Ghostbusters, the movie. Yeah. They, they give you everything you would want in a Ghostbusters game. Like you still fight Slimer. They, they find a way to bring stay puff back into it. Um, Vigo's there as an Easter egg in the firehouse and you can like talk to him. Um, so there's, there's lots of fun things. There's so many little collectibles and things to find throughout like the dancing toaster and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. They do do it in such a way that like it's tied into the story. It's, you know, it, it goes back to the, the first movie where Ivo, Ivo Shandor was the one creating the, the portal for Gozo to show up. So he kind of comes back and is the main antagonist for this. So it kind of makes sense why they're tying in other stuff. 
like, you know, Slimer kind of escapes and he goes back to his old haunt. So it's like, oh, so that's the first level. It's like, oh, we got to go back to the hotel, catch Slimer. Then after you catch Slimer, like, a, another ghost kind of, like, takes over the hotel and changes a lot of the floor. So it becomes very different. And I think it's very – it's if you haven't played it, and I think it's a very fun first uh, third-person shooter. I will say some of the stuff in it, now that I've played the remaster, when I first played it, it was amazing. But I'm replaying the remaster, I'm like, a lot of these textures are kind of like muddy and not that great. But, you know, it's like last-gen hardware it was made for. Yeah. Um, but the gameplay is fun. Put that aside. Yeah. Did you ever get to play it, Kendall? Oh, yeah. I loved yeah. it. I, I think I think we played it because uh, it originally launched with multiplayer. I think we played it on mm-hmm. PS3, right? Together. Did did it have multiplayer on it PS3? Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe we. I forget that part. Yeah. Did we play together? I'm pretty sure we we, we had to have. It's been a, it's been a minute. Yeah. I really like uh, that it added a lot of things that people in the Ghostbusters fandom or franchise have now you know adapted as canon like as um the the rookie character is now like a character in the ghostbusters universe that Mm -hmm. um, they brought back in the comic books um the fact that the proton packs can do multiple different things uh be slime throwers and proton packs and they need to vent um people are uh the, the modding community uh is creating proton packs that do that where you can you know use the wand and switch uh, and the lights will change, and it'll actually vent, and they'll they'll have smoke that comes out of the back of it. Yeah, like that's in the, awesome. like in the game. Yeah, I really want to modify my proton pack to do that. I think it would be so cool. Because also, yeah. like, one of the things I like aesthetically about the Ghostbuster stuff is, and you know, like you were saying earlier, like the car is one of my favorite cars ever. Mm. Um, but like, I love that their equipment like really looks kind of slapdash. Like you can see all the pieces are kind of like not really meant for each well, other. Well, marks. Yeah, like I I. I really like that, like, I don't want to call it steampunky, but, like, kind of junky science fiction. Like, you can really tell that they're they're not refined. Like, they are schlubby and, like... They didn't have the money to... Yeah, exactly. Right. Make state-of-the-art, you know, they were and even out when, of their college. You know? And even when they started getting money, it's like, we'd rather spend it into other things, you know, like, we don't need mm-hmm. to... It's function over form, and I think that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, that's one of the first things they tell you if you get one of like the spirit Halloween proton packs to mod it, you have to actually make it look worse because it comes yeah. from spirit. It looks too clean. So they have you, you know, paint the sides like it's been scraped up and, you know, add hot glue weld marks and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I it's proton pack is so cool just for that stuff. Like their most clean design is the traps and it's just mm-hmm. a box that opens up. Yeah. yeah, I think I have a a toy of the trap somewhere in this house. Oh, I had all that stuff as a kid. I didn't have the firehouse or many of the the figures, but I had all the, like the like play stuff. So, like right. I had a PKE meter, I had a proton mm-hmm. pack, I had a trap. I did have a bunch of Ecto ones over the years because I loved them. And I would, but I would be a kid and like I keep breaking them, but I would just get another one because I I had to have one. Um. Like for years. The goggles, I remember. I didn't have the goggles then. I have them now, uh, obviously. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I, one of my favorite things, like I remember the the big plastic or foam like stick that you would use as your fake proton stream. <laughs> I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember hating that. I would just take it out and just pretend I'm shooting an actual proton stream. <laughs> um, but I loved I loved the, the the PKE meter with its like fake little ghost on it. I've seen people make like more movie style ones 
of that PKE meter with like the little spinning top and stuff. Mm-hmm. I really want to, because the one part of my costume I don't have is a PKE meter and I kind of want to get that. That um, version. Make one of those just because that was one of my the toys I had as a kid. Um, and I think that's kind of fun and a little bit different, but I probably will pick up a regular PKE meter now that it's about to be Halloween again and they're back mm-hmm. in stores. I assume, I don't know what the world's like now that COVID is ravaging everything, but. Uh, yeah, so that toy line was based off of the real Ghostbusters. Um, I yeah. don't have as much experience with that as you guys do. Do you guys have standout episodes or you know, what was your experience with that? Yeah, I, I can, t- I can tell, I have some stories about the, the real Ghostbusters. Uh, ironically, when I was a kid, I loved Slimer. I thought he was the coolest dude that ever existed as an adult, the less Slimers in an episode, the better it is. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of, the show is surprisingly great. A lot of TV from that era that I loved as a kid, I do not, I cannot watch now. Like I can't watch most Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, He-Man and Thundercats are like, a lot of that stuff was just toy commercials. Hmm. But I think the fact that they got real science fiction writers like J. Michael Straczynski was kind of the showrunner for that, at least for the, first couple of seasons and then ABC changed the show a lot to make it more kid friendly. And it was really bad. Um, but it, there's a lot of really great episodes for it. Um, Collect Call the Cthulhu is great. It's uh, obviously a parody of Cthulhu. Um, no Slimer in it, but they talk about Gozer because they're like this, you know, like Cthulhu makes Go- Gozer look like little Mary sunshine or something like that. Uh, but it's just lots of like fun Arkham stuff in it. I love Sam Hain in it. Uh, you know, the pumpkin headed ghost, uh, the boogeyman scared me so bad as a kid, but it was one of those things like go Egon was scared of him as a kid and he overcame it and became a ghostbuster and defeated him. So I was like, yeah, um, I, I, there's so many great episodes of it, but I don't, I don't want to hog the, the spotlight here. If you have any, you'd like to share Kendall. Um, two that really stick out for me. Um, I had a cassette tape with an episode called Drool the Dog-Faced Goblin. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, the Ghostbusters like are taking a job all the way out in the Poconos. Uh, yeah. They're hired by like a, by like a sideshow like act um, because something is like haunting them, but the Part of the sideshow is this like goblin dog creature and like the whole episode like the ghostbusters especially peter is like convinced that this that drool the dog face goblin is like causing the problems but yeah it was just like a nice mixture of like creepy like <laughs> real fun like yeah, I, I don't know. The show was surprisingly scary. There's lots yeah. of really horrific designs and scenes in it. And then um, one episode I had recorded off TV because it was aired as a Halloween special. So like, they played an episode like later in the the eve in the evening and stuff. Um, I think I know which one you're talking about. It's called the Halloween Door. Yeah. It's just this, like, there's this man, he hates Halloween. Yeah. So he, like, it's ridiculous. He's got, like, an anti-Halloween death ray. It makes Halloween disappear. Oh, my gosh. He builds a giant laser that's just supposed to, that actually does, like, 
destroy destroys all, all Halloween decorations everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Turns the candy to ash. But in doing so, he like violates a sacred contract that like demons and humans had made thousands of years ago. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, like, yeah one yeah, night a year they would be celebrated. And like so this monster called the Boogaloo. Yeah. Like rips through and it it just stomps around. And it's a musical. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, It kind of of contradicts the other Halloween like lord that they did with Samhain being the spirit of Halloween and like the keeper of ghosts and stuff. But it's a fun episode in its own because it was like this, it was a much higher budget. Some of the animation in it is like really good. Mm. Like way better than the average episode. Kendall, there was an episode you made me watch. And made me watch. You were like, hey, this is a good episode. Let's watch it. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like they all they have to play baseball. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. yeah. No, that's the best episode. Yeah. Oh, my God. Why? I was surprised Why? you didn't bring yeah. that one up because I know Forget you love the other that. episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forget them. I'm dead serious. I believe it's a season one episode. Um, what is it? It's called Night Game, I think. Um. And it's like Winston is the central character and he really loves like the, the Jaguar baseball team, but they're terrible. So he goes, he goes to a game and like some crazy stuff starts happening and like the Ghostbusters, he ends up taking a call as a Ghostbuster like from the stadium and he disappears. Everyone's like, what happened to Winston? Ah, oh, like, let's go check. And the baseball field is like covered in a dome of energy or something. And they have to like break in and they find that this like, the field was built on like some ancient burial ground. And yeah, it's like the site where like this battle commences once every hundred years between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Yeah. So, but it takes on the form of like whatever's going on there. But now that it's got a baseball field, they're playing a baseball game. It's because they show like before it's like a war or something, or like it, they they show like different things throughout throughout history. Um, but now it's a baseball game because that's what's going on there now. Yeah, uh, it's such a delightful, but, fun. Uh, but yeah, the the stakes are if they're battling for the the soul of one mortal. Yeah, and someone, and I think you think I think even Peter's like. Oh, that's it. That's all we're doing. Like, you wouldn't. Isn't that good? Is there like? Isn't that enough? It's so good. Well, like, the, but like, they're so the Ghostbusters are on the good team, and the bad guys are like the evil ones are cheating because they're evil. That's their nature. But if they, they but if they were to cheat back or do something, because that's why they're not. That's why they don't just start busting them. Then they would become quote unquote evil and automatically lose. Oh. So the whole episode, they're also they also think that they assume that this the soul they're battling for is Winston, so they try to save it. After they, you know, spoiler alert, after they win, uh, they find out that the soul they were playing for was Peter's. <laughs> uh, so, so he's like, oh, oh, thank, I'm glad we, because he was the one that was like, well, let's yeah, cheat. He yeah. was like pushing for them to cheat the whole, <laughs> yeah. like bust the bad guy. He's like, yeah, why are we playing this game? Because they're getting like stomped the whole game because they're not cheating and stuff. Uh, no, it's a really good episode. And like, again, there's no Slimer. No, Slimer's there. Is he? Um, I, don't, I don't remember him in it. I don't think he like, he's in the beginning and he, he's the only one who will go to the baseball game. Like, 
Oh, see, in the stands. In the or something? beginning, is yes. like everyone hates the. They're like, why do you like the Jag- Jaguars? You know, and sounds like my Phillies. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like trying to get anyone to go to this baseball game with him, and he's like, hey, Slimer, I'll buy you all the hot dogs. Um, there's an episode that's included on the DVDs uh, that kind of explains why they're wearing different jumpsuits than what they wear. And like, I remember watching that one a lot because it was with the DVD, but I, I enjoyed it too. Um, and yeah, like the story the is yeah. like Venkman was supposed to clean the uniforms after the battle with Gozer. It made like a direct reference to the movie because uh, they were covered in marshmallow and he just doesn't do it because he's lazy, he puts it down next to the containment unit and the jumpsuits become infected with uh, PKE, you know, energy, and it becomes the People Busters. And yeah. now there are ghost versions of the Ghostbusters walking around in their old jumpsuits, trying to uh, destroy the Ghostbusters. Yeah, and, and that's, that's also cool. the episode that explains like why Slimer became their friend, mm-hmm. and how he got his name, and they call him Slimer to annoy Peter Bankman because he slimed <laughs> him. Um, but it's, it's interesting because he kind of just hangs around and like. They're kind of like they think they try busting them at first, but then they see he's like not he's harmless, so they kind of start using him in experiments and stuff. And like for some reason, he wants to be their friend, I guess, because he's lo- I think they pause it because he's lonely. Yeah. Um. So then he becomes their pal, and he helps them save the day at the end of it. By I think he busts the people busters. Um. But yeah, it's fun. Yeah, they get they get the different colored jumpsuits and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember I don't remember the episode, but there is one where they make a movie based on their that adventure. oh yeah and, and they're the, so disappointed and in their world it is the ghostbusters movie because venkman's like uh bill murray doesn't look anything like me <laughs> they're so mad or he doesn't sound anything like me something like that because they don't look or sound anything like each other um i love um i think the first time i like realized a voice actor like played mm-hmm. multiple roles was Lorenzo Music and Garfield, like Gar- yeah. being Garfield and Peter Venkman. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Garfield, that's Peter Venkman's voice. Like, mm-hmm. And then all these years later to have <laughs> Bill Murray ultimately play the movie version of Garfield is real ridiculous. I, I also don't get why... Bill Murray would do Garfield and not Ghostbusters <laughs> 3, but that's... that's I, a whole I, I remember one. reading something like apparently that Garfield movie was some sort of different project, and he got kind of like contractually <laughs> roped into into it, like oh, from a technicality. Wow. Oh, That it's would not, make a lot of sense. It's not really what he signed up for, and I guess that there was a stipulation for a sequel because he did Tale of Two Kitties. But you, <laughs> I think that's why they replaced Garfield with like a British Garfield, so it's a different voice actor. Well, that's the thing about Bill Murray. Like, if he's not into something, he will. It will reflect in the final product. Oh man, you can definitely tell he does not want to be in Ghostbusters too. Yeah. He doesn't wear any of the equipment until the very end of the movie because it's they were notoriously heavy and like awful to like lug around. Because um, they had to have all these like you know like lights and stuff like in them and that you know 1980s technology. They were a lot heavier than they would be now. Um. But yeah, I. I and watching that as an adult and knowing that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you can tell. Like, yeah. It's like Harrison Ford in Return of the Jedi. You know he doesn't want to be there, and it shows. And it's just like, it's like kind of kind of sad to watch as an adult, like knowing that. <laughs> when you're kids, you don't care. I was like, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
But I'm yeah, sure well, that's something that, you know, plagued all four of them for years after the movies came out. It was like, why don't you do another one? Why don't you do another one? And like, they probably all wanted to do different projects. And, yeah. you know. I have a feeling Ghostbusters 2 wasn't made from a creative standpoint and more like the studio being like, hey, this first one made so much money, we want another one. Yeah. It, it strikes me more as that because the script's not nearly as smart or, or, or interesting. Like I said, it goes through a lot of the same beats from the first movie. It's a very typical sequel yeah um which is disappointing in a lot of regards um and they've been talking about ghostbusters 3 my whole life and then i remember the day that harold ramus died and i was like i don't want another ghostbusters movie and now we got we've gotten two of them yeah we're getting two of them (laughs) so and that makes me real nervous for like back to the future and some of these other movies that haven't gotten these late sequel revivals i'm actually shocked we haven't gotten a gremlins 3 um, which is interesting to point out because Gremlins came out the same weekend as the original Ghostbusters, and they're both like the original horror comedy hits, you know, mm-hmm. like not counting because there was stuff before then, like the Laurel and Hardy meet like the Wolfman and stuff. Not Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello. I'm so sorry, um, but like those were the first two like modern ones, and then after that we got like Nightmare on Elm Street and Chucky and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, don't don't put down. Gremlins 3. I have a the perfect <laughs> script for it right up here. Um, but we'll go into that a little. Yeah. Off, 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 off mic. Off yeah, mic. When, when they announce Gremlins 3, we'll, we'll do a special podcast episode where we talk about what they should have done. Because <laughs> I also have a plan an idea in my head that would make a great Gremlins, Gremlins 3. Um, and I don't <laughs> think they'll do it. Um, but anyway, we're not talking about Gremlins. I just think that's an interesting uh, parallel. Yeah, for sure. Out. Yeah. Which is also a great movie and ties into the Back to the Future po- uh, podcast we did a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, since it also takes place in the Hill Valley set. Um, but yeah, so after Extreme. real Ghost- yeah, I'll say after real Ghostbusters, half a decade later, maybe a little bit more, seven years, ninety seven, ninety seven. Yeah. I don't remember when real Ghostbusters ended, but I want to say it was the early nineties, ninety one, ninety one. Yeah, so oh, so wow. a while later they re not rebooted, but they did like a continuation, like a new format called real ghostbusters or not real ghostbusters oh my yeah, God. Extreme. Extreme ghostbusters. <laughs> but they made gi joe extreme around the same time and I'm it like, was everything is extreme. everything yeah. everything was i remember as a kid when that was coming out i thought that was the lamest thing because it was that like corporate 90s attitude marketing mm-hmm. with like these edgy new designs and like this ultra hip version of the classic theme song and i'm like mm-hmm. i don't like this and i just never gave it a chance um since going back much later and like kind of rediscovering it i'm like oh this isn't that bad it's fine um but I, you guys watched it uh, when it was on right i it was my like i i think before i talked about uh my school uh morning of school uh watching different tv shows and this was one of the ones that was in like the kids wb rotation like before school um and you know the thing first of all the car they redesigned the ecto-1 it became like sleeker and i was like oh it's so cool another kenner set came out i was like all right well i didn't get the first one maybe i can go find this one didn't get that one either, but <laughs> but uh, I, I do remember that this was like the first passing the mantle story that they've been pushing and pushing for for Ghostbusters three ever since. Um, and you know there was a new group of uh, they were like college kids that took over. Um, there was a lot of diversity on the cast, which I thought was was really cool. 
Um, it introduced the world to, to Kylie Griffin, who was like the goth girl, but now you had a, a girl Ghostbuster. And they had uh, uh, Eduardo, who was a Latino Ghostbuster. And they had uh, Garrett, um, who was a, a, a like a lead, but he was in a wheelchair, which I think um, for kids programming, I don't think there were many lead characters that were in wheelchairs at the time. So I thought that was really cool. And uh, and then they had Roland, who was the mechanic, but uh, also like the heart of the team. And, and he was African-American. So like they, they really did a good job of uh, making sure everybody was represented on the uh, Ghostbusters team. And those backgrounds weren't just lip service. They actually like went, they affected the way that these characters reacted in, in certain situations. And they went into their backstory with certain ghosts um, related to uh, their background. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah, it's it's cool the the connective tissue it had to real Ghostbusters. Obviously, Slimer, uh, Egon's their professor, and like he's with Janine now. Um, but like Slimer's in it, but like Slimer looks like a completely different ghost. <laughs> um, there's one episode I know where like their spirits get like sucked out from their body, but that they, that happens to Slimer too. So he's a ghost of a ghost, and it's really weird. <laughs> um, I remember thinking that's really weird when I saw it, but like. Uh, I don't think it was the boogeyman, but it was another ghost from the original series. I think tormented Kylie as a kid. Um, then it it might have been the boogeyman. I, I I know what you're talking about because like that was a dark one, right? Like she lost her friend. Yeah, like it's like so yeah, like ghost? someone she knew died from him. Yeah. Um, and but like it came back, and then she was able to bust it. So there there was a couple of things like that, and then obviously, um, you know, because it there was an episode where the excuse me one sec where the original Ghostbusters also came back, you know, uh, that weren't Egon, you know, so Peter, Ray, and Winston showed up. You know, they're older, so they just had, like, lines under their eyes. Um, <laughs> like you do. Yeah, but that was fun. I just remember the story they came back for was, like, just your standard monster of the week. Would have been neat well, if it was, like, something that they had experience with. Was it a two-parter? Yeah. It was yeah, the, it was the series finale. Yeah. yeah. Part, part one was, like, kind of lame, like, monster. But the part two was really, really good. They, like, fight and capture... Yeah, they capture the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> and, like, it was wild. It was crazy. Like, uh, there's one scene where, like, the Bermuda Triangle like sucks up the Statue of Liberty, but they like manage to drive it off. And then they're like, oh, it'll be back. And probably the most ominous scene of all in all of Ghostbusters canon, they like turn around and they're like, it's like an epic shot of like the two teams like looking at mm. the city and like the Twin Towers are there. And it's just like watching it in a post 9-11 world is like, this is dark. How do yeah. they personify the Bermuda Triangle? Is it just like a big water monster? It's like a big like fog that can like take co corporeal form. It just has like tentacles and I don't know. It was cool. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a good story um, yeah. for sure. And yeah, there's parts of it. That... Oh, go ahead. No, there's parts of Extreme Ghostbusters that are definitely worth revisiting um, if, yeah. if you wrote it off back in the day. And I definitely think if they, like, took... If, if Extreme Ghostbusters was made now, it would be a much 
like because it was very like monster of the week but even like the opening two-parter like they kind of could have like because it starts out like they're trying to build a new subway tunnel and they like break something like and that's why there are ghosts now so like i feel like if it was made today like there might even be like a connecting storyline things like that Mm -hmm. oh it's a pretty pretty fun show worth worth looking at yeah modern kids cartoons are like really good like telling stories now i would love like even more than getting like afterlife i would love just a, a new cartoon um, There's supposed to be one in the works, a, a cartoon movie, animated movie. Oh, wow. I would love like a series, yeah. you know, you can tell like an ongoing story, but like still have your, your ghost of the week kind of stuff. And I wouldn't mind like new, new characters. It doesn't have to be the original movie characters. They just have to be, you know, interesting. Um, I mean, you do so much more in animation than you could. Oh yeah, definitely. Like there's, especially the something like this, cause you can have your imagination's the limit, you know, like there's no limit to how creative you can be. And I think that's a big strength of the, the various cartoons is like episodes would be so different and weird. And like the monster designs were like, I don't think they ever repeated them unless it was like, occasionally they had repeat, you know, ghosts. I know they sort of became friends with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man after it was like done being like inhabited by Gozer. Um, really great. He helped them fight Murray the Mantis. He did. Uh, and I remember there was one where the Stay Puft Marshmallow Corporation wanted to like license him as like a mascot for them for like going into like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, stuff like that. But like there, there was like a weird cynical adult edge to a lot of like a lot of the humor in it that like it, it, it's made it age extremely well considering, mm. especially compared to its other contemporaries in the 80s. I think a lot of 80s cartoons are pretty bad uh, in a modern context. They do a great job of like keeping the facts that like Egon is so weird. Like, <laughs> they just like translate that into the cartoon like so well. It's a, it's a pretty impressive uh, piece of work. <laughs> yeah, Ma Maurice Lamarche, voice of the brain. Yeah, does a great so, does a great Egon. Uh, at ACBC uh, in 2015. Met Larice, Maurice LaMarche and uh, Rob Paulson, who are Pinky in the Brain. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And I think I was with you, Harry. And I went, after we left, I was like, I didn't talk to them about Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Um, I it's think not it, top of mind for most yeah. people. I mean, all it's, their it's like. Bec it's because they were together. I was like, oh, it's Pinky and the yeah. Brain. Um, yeah, if you got the two of them together. Yeah. But they, they're really nice. They're, they're, I'm really glad I got a chance to talk to them. Mm. Um, well, speaking of meeting people, uh, Harry, we've, we've met a couple of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to meet, uh, you got to meet Winston, um, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Uh, local con. He's at a lot of them. Mm. Um, he's usually pretty easy to find. But, uh, you know, if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Ernie, so, uh, yeah, Ernie Hudson is, um, I say, out of all the four, he is, well, you know, with Harold Ramis being gone, uh, it's impossible to meet all four now, but um, Ernie Hudson is the one that's the most enthusiastic about still being part of the franchise. He will, um, he'll go to cons dressed up in full uniform. He'll take pictures with the Ecto. Um, so we saw him at, it was a New York Comic Con and we, we got pictures with him uh, in front of an Ecto, which I thought, you know, that was really cool. Like uh, that's, that's it. 
But later on in, in my life, I got really into pinball and <laughs> ended up uh, buying the Ghostbusters pinball machine. And uh, one of the things that uh, I thought was really cool, because Ernie Hudson was going to be in Atlantic City, which is like right down the street here, um, was would be to get him to sign the pinball machine. And it's like, well, how do you bring a pinball machine to a con? You really can't. So um, I had him sign uh, the backlash, which I, I pulled out of the machine uh, so I could show you guys. Um, because he Ernie Hudson does all of the call outs uh, for the machine. So uh, he signed it to me with super jackpot and uh, he wrote his name in Winston. And um, it was just a really cool experience. He, he remembered uh, doing the voice work for the pinball machine. A lot of these guys, they just go in the studio for a day and they're like, ah, you know, whatever, it's not a big deal. Um, but he knew that not only did he do the voice work for this machine, but he also was like, oh, have you ever played Congo? Cause I'm in that one too. And I was like, yeah, you, you are in Congo. <laughs> um, but he, he was really great to talk to. And if, if you ever have a chance to meet him, you know, he's, he, uh, he is not one of those celebrities that are like, you know, oh, that was in my past. I don't want to talk about it. Like, I can't imagine how many people talk to him about Ghostbusters every time he appears somewhere. And he's super enthusiastic about it. And he makes time for the fans. It's really cool. Well, uh, that's, that's super nice. Um, you and I got to meet Dan Aykroyd. What, two yeah. years ago now? Uh, uh, would have been last year. Because yeah. it was, was, it it was November last year. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Time, time has no meaning anymore. Because um, I, I was in the early stages of that Ghostbusters costume. Yeah, you you came in in costume to that one. Yeah. I just came in my uh my Halloween Horror Nights shirt. Um, <clears throat> but uh, he was doing like a he has his vodka. It comes in the shape of a, a bottle, the shape of a skull, and he was doing a signing like in the area. So we're like, hey, let's go do this because how often do you get to meet Dan Aykroyd? And God, how long were we in that line? Oh my God. So we, we got there we early too. got there early. I think we got there. Was it like three, maybe two, like in the afternoon, early afternoon. Like it was yeah. the middle of a weekday. Yeah. Line had already stretched like around the, the bar and down or around the liquor store and down and all around. And it was the coldest day of the year. Yeah, like, do you remember really how cold. cold it was? It was really cold. I remember you were excited that you were wearing your costume because it had gloves and you could yeah. put them on. Yeah. Yeah. I was wearing like my jacket and stuff because I wasn't in costume. So I was like, I'm okay. Um, but, uh, but eventually we got in, I want to say it was like close to when the place was closing. Cause we were worried about whether or not he'd cut off the line. Yeah. And so it was like nine 30, maybe 10 o'clock. And we were just standing there in line all that time. Yeah. Um, but the other part of that was, well, I'd already gotten Ernie Hudson to sign this. So I was like, well, hopefully Dan Aykroyd will sign it. But there was all this conflicting information about like, what would he sign? What would he, what wouldn't he sign? He'd sign the crystal head vodka, but like what else? So ended up bringing this on a, on a whim and uh, he was being really cool. He was signing uh, anything. So he did get his signature, but it's, you know, much my fault because i had a silver sharpie with me but i didn't test it before i left and it was dying so and he signed um, it against my back so that was yeah crazy. yeah he signed Scott's back. but then i had one of those moments where you're talking about scott where like after i left i was like oh darn it i didn't even talk to him about the blues brothers like i love the blues brothers uh and like i love what he's done for jazz and, and all that stuff and i just I, I, I really wanted to ask him what would happen if you shot someone with a proton pack would it suck their soul out of them <laughs> Um, but well, he has all the lore like he yeah. has to keep well, that's because the... he's he's the one to ask because <laughs> right. he has reason for everything piece of technology to exist 
in every aspect of everything. Like yeah. one of the DVD or Blu-ray extras is like them restoring an Ecto-1. And he's like going through it and explaining to the people restoring like what every little piece of equipment on it does. I'm like, this guy is a madman. Yeah. For these things. Um, he's a very interesting person if you ever like do a dive into his backstory. He, uh, he has a real fun story where he was like, I forget whether it was supposed to be like a television show or a uh, or, or just like a documentary or something, but uh, exploring like the, the supernatural and he has a run in with uh, one of the, not, not the theatrical version, but one of the men in black. Um, it's, it's really worth checking out uh, if you can find an interview about that. He's, yeah. Dan Aykroyd is wild. Yeah, he, him and, Ghostbusters specifically is what really sparked my lifelong interest in the, the supernatural and, and other things. I'm not going to get too deep into, into some of that stuff. Not that I'm like, I want to put it out there. I'm not like using crystals or any of that stuff, but I, I've always been really fascinated by, you know, the paranormal stuff between him and Leonard Nimoy doing like the in search of series and like mm-hmm. unsolved, like not unsolved mysteries, but um, oh, crap. There's, there's another like mystery show, but like, I grew up with a li- in the library of my mom and there was, they had all the tapes for that stuff. So I would just watch them over and over again. And I found all that stuff really fascinating. Um, I, I know his family was like really big into seances and things too. Like he, yeah, I know they do UFO sightings too, or, or something like, yeah, he's really into all that stuff. Yeah. So he brought a lot of that into his writing. And it's funny because like, if you look at the original pitch for Ghostbusters, well, it was supposed to be him and Belushi uh, as like a follow-up to blues brothers, but like, they were like these, these spectral cops or something. It was, it was such a crazy concept. And it's it, it was like I'm in glad. the far distant future. I think the only thing that survived it is the no ghost logo and the stick off <laughs> marshmallow man. Yeah. That's how the movie started with like them fighting a giant marshmallow man. I like, would. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I would love to see that adapted into a comic. Now that they do that kind of <laughs> That's stuff. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. But like, but, I remember that the story is like Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis saw it and was like, "This is unfilmable. Like, <laughs> we need to, we need to make this into something that can work." Um, but that's why I, I say it's like a, a conflicting thing of like a, a lot of different creative visions that kind of like pared it down into the movie that it is. And I think it's, I think it's really like lightning in a bottle. Like I don't think. I think a lot of it's accidental. I know a lot of the stuff in it is improvised. Um, I, I just, and I know Bill Murray only did it to like, as like part of a contract to get another movie he wanted to get made. And I don't even remember what that other movie is because it's the other one is the thing he did was Ghostbusters. <laughs> and it was like the biggest hit of all time. Uh, I remember watching, I think it's in the, the, the DVD commentary. It might've been Ivan Reitman or Harold Ramis saying it. Like before the movie was even out in theaters, like just from test screenings and stuff. Um, they would go out on the street and like people would have like bootleg t-shirts that say back off man I'm a scientist and they were like that's how we know we made a hit that's how like, this is going to be huge because people already like because again that wasn't made to be like a big joke but like it just was a line people kind of like latched onto it like oh that's a funny line it is and that's it's great memorable. yeah and I, I love that like especially filming the first one it was such like a it was a big budget movie but it was filmed in such like a small budget way like that the, the the story that I love is like that the montage, a lot of those scenes, they just never got the permits for. They just threw the, the actors in their yeah, costume just, and just, just had them run style. through. And yeah, the, the, the stories of being like people like, what, what is this? What is going on? 
Because they sort of look like an official type of thing, because that's part of their design. Is they're supposed to be sort of like firemen, but for ghosts? <laughs> they're exterminators. They saw a cockroach. Yeah. Um, but the and then like the story of the Ecto One breaking down on the Brooklyn Bridge and them getting like fined for it. Or, you yeah. Know, it, uh, <laughs> it I think that was the last down. shot they shot they needed for the Ecto One. So like it lasted just long enough. In the Judgment Day after the Judgment Day speech, which yeah. you know it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, but uh, it's it's that kind of like that's that's also very similar to like Back to the Future story where like they weren't sure if they were going to get this movie finished because like they they were up against a wall and like I think that's what helped that first movie just elevate it so much is because you know these guys they didn't know what they were doing they didn't know they had a hit on their hands they were barely getting it done and you know it it turned out to be like Scott said the lightning in the bottle and it's hard to recreate that when you already have all these expectations going in yeah I think expectations was a big thing. It did kind of come out of nowhere. Um, and, but like, I think a big part of like that no ghost logo is so brilliant in its simplicity. Cause it's the, it, the, this thing's called the universal no, the circle with a dash through it. And then whatever you put behind it, it just means no, whatever. That's like no smoking and stuff. But like it being such a mundane thing and then having a, a spooky ghost behind it is like immediately eye catching. Like the posters could, like the best ones were the ones where it was just that on a black background. And just I keep looking at the ones behind Kendall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's so immediately iconic, like instantly. You mean, you don't even know the need to know what the movie's about, but you see that and you kind of get what the premise is, you know, no ghosts. Like, I, I, I think that, that logo it, is, yeah, that it's like instant iconography. It's like the Mickey Mouse, like silhouette and like Ghostbusters logo are like the two most iconic, just quick images in, in the world. Like you immediately recognize what they are, and it's it's amazing. I can't believe someone like I could never think of anything even half as good as that, and it's so simple. Yeah, I have a an issue of Game Informer from when the Ghostbusters video game was first announced. That's just black cover, Game Informer up top, and the Ghostbusters. And like, yeah, if you're a marketing person for Game Informer magazine. It's like this is all we need to sell this this mm-hmm. issue. And that's so much more eye grabbing than if you just put the logo, and then like the Ghostbusters shooting stuff and like ghosts, kind of like what the cover for the game was. But like, I think having just the the, the ghost, no ghost logo on a black background is so much more immediately eye catching. <clears throat> Excuse me. Speaking um, of games, did you guys did, uh, play any of the games that came out before the uh, Xbox game? All right, so I I have. Oh, kind of a long history with Ghostbusters games. Uh, I know everyone hates the NES game. I kind of loved it. Um, again, the parallel are Back to the Future one, where I, I think that game has a really bad reputation. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that bad, especially when I was a kid and like you just play it in short bursts and you're good. Um, <laughs> that said, the the best one of the best games for it is the the Sega Genesis one, and that's the one nobody like plays, or it's like mm-hmm. kind of a side scrolling like they're like chibi. Um, it's like just a, like a Mega Man style like side scrolling shooter, like you even pick your stages and stuff. Huh. Um, it's really really good. It's weird because our Siege Ghostbuster has different stats, but again, like a lot of them, there's just no Winston. Um, I think that's because they only have like yeah. two stats, and like so we, so like one's even, and then one's one better, and the other one's better than the other one. But like uh, it's weird that there's no Winston in some of these games. It's, it's mm-hmm. as an adult that comes off as kind of odd. 
to say the least. Um, but I, I loved the NES game as a kid. The second one wasn't nearly as good as a kid when I was little. There's another NES game the for Ghostbusters 2. It came out in the PAL regions. was kind of like an overhead like Zelda-ish type game. And you'd have two Ghostbusters. One would throw a trap and one would shoot proton packs. Which is, uh, I don't want to say fun, but it's at least very interesting. Not that it's not fun, but I, I, I don't know. I, I like the NES game, and I really like the Sega Genesis one. Um, I don't know if you guys played them as a kid. Well, I never played, I mean, that original NES one, like, years and years later, I, like, played it for, like, a second, and it's just like, what is this? This is awful. <laughs> well, like, all right, so it, it again, it was the, the box for it was just black with the No Ghost logo on it. And I remember renting it as a kid. I think as I think it's a great kid rental game, because even if you don't get to the end, like the staircase is when it, 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 it falls apart because it's unplayable. <laughs> Um, but like just walking around, just just busting ghosts was fun. Like it's very arcadey. Mm. Like you know, you play that for a couple of times in a weekend, and you're done with it, and you move on with your life. Like I, I think that's got a value. I don't think that's that has no value to it. Then if you can get it out of that. Mm. Um, but obviously, there's a million different versions of those games on like Master System, Atari 2600, which is arguably the best version of it, even though it's the most primitive hardware. Um, and I think they ported it to one or two other things. Mm. Um, there's a couple of games like for Game Boy and stuff that, I, and there's an arcade game I never played just because no arcade had it that I knew. Um, they brought that one to uh, Replay FX, which is the big pinball convention. Um, okay, it was really cool to see uh, because it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I think, like you said, it was kind of like top down, like you explore. Yeah, it, yeah, I know that that PAL Ghostbusters two game is is a lot like it. Yeah, which I have on our reproduction cart. That our friend John Deans gave me. Nice. Uh, right here. Which is, you know, nice. the Ghostbusters 2 logo. Awesome. Yeah, if anyone watched our NES one, I was able to pull, I'm sitting next to a lot of my NES games, and I was able to just kind of pull out the ones we're talking about. <laughs> um, I, I had to defend Back to the Future in that one as well. Um, again, oh, I don't, Scott, don't I die don't, on that hill. <laughs> I don't think it's a great game, but I think I don't think it's as bad as its reputation oh. holds. Huh. You you also work at a store that sells retro video games. I don't know <laughs> if I can completely uh, your a little bit of an interest. Wild, just uh, an interest. <laughs> well, listen, that one we had Sean, who's the owner of the store, really just blasting it straight up. So don't don't worry about it. Um, uh, I do want to give a shout out to the uh, Ghostbusters uh, stage show in Universal um, before we move out of like this mid '90s era because. Uh, it was one of the original rides that opened Universal Studios Florida uh, in 1990. And it was really cool because you'd walk into the firehouse. Uh, they had like a firehouse facade in their New York area. And uh, you walked in and they showed you uh, sort of like the, they recreated the climax of the first movie um, using the Pepper's ghost effect that you see in like the Haunted Mansion um, where they had like a, a tour guide. At first it was a tour guide. Then they retooled the show a little bit later and they put like a Louis Tully actor and a Walter Peck actor in, but they had like ghosts flying around, uh, interacting with the actor. And then um, they had a 20 something foot marshmallow man animatronic that like climbed up over the side of the building, uh, which was really cool. And uh, you know, I, it's one of those things, Universal got rid of it in like 1996 for the Twister ride. Um, and now here we are 35 years later, still talking about Ghostbusters, but who's talking about Twister anymore? You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Um, 
it's a shame that Universal got rid of another classic property. Now, to their credit, it's not really their property, so they were paying um, uh, rights to use yeah, it. They were licensing it from Sony, which is why Ghostbusters isn't a part of Universal Studios anymore. Because they also had a, a street show too, right? Yeah. Now that one I remember more as a kid because it was uh, it was the Ghostbusters battling Beetlejuice, which I thought was awesome um, because mm-hmm. both of those shows had TV cartoons at the time. And the storyline was uh, the Ghostbusters get a call. So they're driving through Universal Studios in the Ecto-1. Uh, they all jump out at the New York. There's a New York uh, public library facade. They jump out, they climb the stairs, they're looking around, doing the readings, and Beetlejuice comes out and then possesses them and makes them dance to uh, the pop culture music of, of the early 90s. So, yeah, great show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I went to Universal last year for the first and only time so far uh, for Halloween Horror Nights. I was down in the area, I was down in Orlando for a wedding, and Ghostbusters was one of the main things that they did. And I was like, you know what? How often am I in Florida? Let me go, go to this. Um, which was a lot of fun, uh, the Ghostbusters. So apparently it's the Florida one was different than the California one. The Florida one is, it's the first movie in order. The, I watched a video on YouTube of someone going through the one in Hollywood and it's all the scenes are out of order. I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah. But, um, it was a lot of fun. I didn't think the haunted house part of it was so scary because it kind of knew like what parts like, cause it's stuff jumping out at the walls at you. So you kind of knew when like Slimer was going to show up, but it was really cool to be like, there with like live actors going through the movie, the part where they're like catching slime around all these cool like like uh, proton pack effects, a giant stay puffed like thing was in the middle of it. it. It was really really cool to do. Um, the the facades are all still there. Like you can still go to the public library. It's right there. The firehouse you can still tell it's that, but like a roller coaster now runs through it, like yeah. right out the front of it. So it's like oh, it's a little sad to see. Um, but it, it was. I don't go to theme parks very often. I think we mentioned in our theme park episode. I think I went into more detail with this stuff there. Um, so go back and watch that. That was like episode two or three. Um, but it was really, really cool. And I'm really glad I, I spent the, the time to go do that. Um, it was one of my highlights of my trip was going to see Ghostbusters. And it's nice to see Universal uh, kind of paying homage to uh, one of the early attractions and bringing that back into the park too. Like I, I really wish they could work something out to make that a permanent walkthrough attraction um, because I think it'd be really popular. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, especially since, you know, cause uh, last year, like the afterlife trailer had come out, the movie was supposed to have come out this summer, but it's pushed back to next year. So like in the queue for Ghostbusters, there was a giant, you know, bunch of giant TVs and they just played the afterlife teaser on loop where mm. it's like the Ecto ones in a garage so I feel like with the, the hype for the movie, there's, there's a, also a financial reason to potentially like advertise Ghostbusters again um, in, in the parks. So there might be a way they can do that. I would love a, a, a stage show like they did. I think that's probably the coolest thing you can do with Ghostbusters. Also because I'm like super scared of like rides and things. So I'd rather they do that because I would be able to experience it better. <laughs> um, but that said, like uh, a dark ride, kind of like um, the Transformers one where you're like in an Ecto-1 and you're like running around busting ghosts with like 3D screens and things, I think would be really, really cool. I'd be super down for that too. Now that you mention it, I think they have it in like Abu Dhabi or something. You know, so, so yeah, it's one, 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 of, one of the international parks has that. Yeah, I think they have that. That was the original concept for that ride. It was like going to be like a... Um, 
kind of like the Buzz Lightyear ride where you sit in a vehicle. Oh, you and can shoot, shoot stuff. You, oh, that would be get, so cool. You get score. You get points. That was like the original concept for the uh, Ghostbusters. What ended up becoming the stage show, um, but they didn't use it. And so now this other this international park uh, brought that back, and you are firing at screens, and you get it points because you're trying to be a franchise and all that stuff. So, oh, that's, that's really awesome. cool. Uh, yeah that would be really cool if they do that i'll make a special trip to whatever park it's at <laughs> hopefully where it's your passport also, hopefully it's also the same time when uh, nintendo world opens up uh because i really want to go to that too but um i think it's in dubai I think it's in dubai. yeah i want to say it's in dubai too i remember hearing about that and being really disappointed because it's like i can't go to dubai yeah. uh, if it's in florida that's a little bit of a different story um that's not too long a trip but uh any, anyway moving on beyond that um so we talked about we briefly touched on some some comic stories um so do you guys ever read any like not counting the idw comics that are going on now do you read any of the books beforehand like any of the real ghostbusters stuff or like uh kendall i know when we were in high school like what was it 55 miles per hour studio or something miles per hour. it was 88 miles oh, that makes more sense they, they had uh, a ghostbusters comic uh yeah poor issue like many yeah so i of course read that um Again, the issue one variant cover was just it's black and no ghost logo. Yep. All you needed. I remember um, you had to come out of our way to get that cover. But the I had one real Ghostbusters comic when I was a kid. Um and it was like part two or I don't there was a it was the conclusion of this story where they were running around a an art museum maybe, or maybe it was like a science, some kind of museum. Mm -hmm. And I remember like a ghost possesses like a skeleton or so that's all I really remember. That sounds like it might've been an adaptation of one of the episodes. Uh, as I know there's one where they're in a museum and like as they're battling like things being possessed, like Ray's is like critiquing all the art and stuff. Yeah, uh, maybe it was, I, I don't yeah. know. I barely remember it. Yeah, I have one or two. I didn't have any as a kid. I have one or two now. Just I saw them for like a dollar, and I'll like pick them up. Cool. Um, but I remember the the eighty eight miles per hour ones because it was a continuation of the movies. Did it skip two? I don't remember two being referenced in it. Oh, I, but I remember they're catching Slimer at the beginning of it. Remember it? I know it was like something. Wasn't the plot like oh there was like a an original fourth ghostbuster who like there was like a pete wanted revenge or something i don't remember uh, i remember it being like it was awesome at the time but like kind of lame in retrospect is what I remember. it was cool that there was a ghostbuster comic and yeah at at the time where like that was there was a but uh a few years ago uh idw got the the license and man, they've been just knocking it out of the park with it ever since. So mm -hmm. both movies happened and the game happened because they ref A, they reference things that happen in the game and the rookie character eventually shows up and he's running a Chicago franchise, which is awesome. Um, but the, it's so good. And I, uh, they have had the same creative team on it since. It's since a, year, a couple of years ago, it stopped being an ongoing and it just has been like a yearly mini series or so ever since, which I think is a much better format for it because it allows them to just kind of come out when they need, they have a story or like they crossed over the Ninja Turtles twice. They just mm -hmm. did a Transformers one last year. 
Um, they cross over with the real Ghostbusters. Oh, they cross over with the real Ghostbusters. That one is so good. Because that one takes place. Since it takes place during, during an episode of the show, and it's in continuity then with the show. And they 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 mention it like someone one of them calls Slimer Slimer. And they're like who? Because they don't have give him a yeah. name in in the movie continuity, which is where this takes place. And it's like oh, it's so. If you haven't a chance to read the IDW series, get pick up the graphic novels. They're really good. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. And it was made. Um, so years and years before this comic was a twinkle in IDW's eye, um, the artist was on Deviant Art. I used to follow him, yeah. Yeah, and he would just do like, here's my take on all the characters, all the ghosts of the week from the cartoon. He would do the toys. Yeah. And they looked amazing. And then that's how he got the job. And he's just been drawing uh. Ghostbusters ever since that's really so cool. all you amateur artists just do it just and, do and, and, and one of the fun things in the series is there's so many fun easter eggs and references like a lot of the incidental ghosts and stuff in the background are toys mm-hmm. or like you know they they came with the ghostbusters toys and they had something to fight like there's a haunted area and like just a toilet has a face in it and it's the fearsome flush um there's a uh, Ray has like a spirit guide who's very clearly John Belushi's character from the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's just so much fun stuff like that. Chevy Chase. Who was, uh, oh yeah, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase yeah. is in it. Yeah, Ooh, I it's supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, like a lot of the act, like the people in it, like if you're looking for it, you can kind of tell they cast like a classic '80s actor as them. More or less, even though they're like in this like you know more much more stylized cartoony look, but they bring in a lot of the real Ghostbusters stuff and those characters. Um, they bring in like Janine's boyfriend looks like the RGB or no, I think the extreme, extreme version of uh, extreme version of Egon because then they meet the, <laughs> the they eventually do meet the real Ghostbusters version of Egon. But like they bring in like the uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters characters, like they they basically do like a bunch they basically explain like this ghostbusters multiverse in a way that actually makes a lot of sense they explain that the ghosts are actually what makes up the ghost realm is kind of like the barrier between realities so like kind of busting ghosts and like putting them back in there is kind of helps keep stuff stabilized that's kind of where ghosts come from where like that like the the wall in reality is thin which has helped lead to a lot of like the fun crossover stuff because like the Ninja Turtles ones, like they kind of deal with like characters maybe that they killed in their book, and now kind of want revenge, and they use Ghostbusters ghosts to kind of to kind of deal with that. Um, there's so much fun stuff in it, and it's all so good. And there's like some dark stuff they deal with, like not every like, the movie characters are fine, but like a lot of the characters introduced, some of them die, but because they're Ghostbusters, you can kind of still have them around. Um, I like that they aren't afraid to introduce new characters either in that, yeah, yeah. In, in those storylines. I mean, you can only get so much mileage out of the original four and, you know, it would make sense that they meet new people and they have new connections and things. So I, I really do like that about the comic book because it doesn't, they do throw in like a lot of movie references in there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's in support of a larger story, not the main focus of the story. Well, like the Chevy Chase character, uh, kind of reverse engineers their tech a bit and makes a rival company, mm-hmm. which instead of catching catching them, they just kind of destroy them. And then the Ghostbusters realize like, 
oh, all of their, you're not really getting rid of their PKE energy. You're just dispersing it. And it kind of like makes a bigger problem going on. And he kind of becomes like a minor recurring antagonist slash frenemy. Um, but like Walter Peck becomes like a supporting character who kind of needs to work with them, even though they don't like each other. But he becomes part of like this paranormal oversight committee. Uh, for, yeah, so he's still representing like the government's interests, but like the Ghostbusters kind of need to report to him um, in order to which keep they, they pulled that from the game, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, which, yeah, again, it's another thing from the game, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, which was a fun way to kind of bring them back into the game as well because the game was a real fun like send up to the the original stuff um there, there's so much cool things in it like they have so many references to other stuff beyond ghosts there's a story arc where they're like traveling around america and one issue they go to area 51 and they kind of deal with like ufos um uh, i don't want to just get into like all of the cool things that they do but it's really worth seeking out and experiencing for yourself there's so much fun stuff in it and I think the best move um, the book did was uh, moving away from that monthly schedule um, and kind of acknowledging that like Ghostbusters aren't Spider-Man, not, not a dig on Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. He's cool. Um, yeah. But just like they're... I don't know, month after month of Ghostbusters adventures seems fun on paper, but like it's a it's a special thing. Like like we keep going back to with that first movie being lightning in a bottle. It's uh I don't know, it's kind of it's more fun when it's it's like, oh, there's a new Ghostbusters like series out right mm -hmm. now. And just like you know it'll be finite and because of that, like the quality never dips. Yeah, every story is a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, so, and, it, so it's, so and they're all like fun and good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And the most recent one, you get to see them bust Transformer ghosts, which is fun. <laughs> oh, they did the prequel too. Oh, yeah, yeah, they you're just one, did Ghostbusters one. one. Yeah, which I. See, I get it in trade paperback now, so I'm waiting for that to come out. Um, but yeah. I think it was supposed to be out by now. But again, shipping's and printing and stuff has, has been all screwed up this year. So, yeah. and now they finished in the single issues. Yeah, the single issues have been done. I think, I think the last issue got delayed from COVID, but it came out this summer. Yeah, um, I remember when that came out because um, I don't think we were open yet, but we were in the store being able to sell things online, and you could do curbside pickup and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that was fun because it's like, how did they all meet? You know, or no, it was actually, it was the first year of their uh, being in business. So um, you got to see a little bit of, you know, what was going on in that montage period and, and things like that. Because so. that's cool. one of the fun things about the comics. There's like a, one of the annuals that had a couple of stories in it, but one of them answered like, where was Winston during the, the courtroom Ghostbusters too? And he kind of had his own little adventure. Like you can very briefly see him kind of like, getting civilians out of the room when the Scalari brothers are, you know, rampaging. Mm -hmm. um, but even as a kid, I was like, oh, that's weird that Winston's like also not helping them, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's just one of those things. But it's cool that they, they, they found, you know, that's one of those like fan questions that have existed for forever. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the Scalari brothers' mom's ghost shows up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something, yeah. something goofy like that. But I think he's, I think he's talking, because I remember he's telling the story 
to some people at the cafe. I think it's the writer and artist of the comic. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure it is. I'd have to go back and do it, but I remember it being something fun like that. Like they're like reporters and they're going to tell like the story, like they're telling the story of the Ghostbusters. So it's like essentially alluding to them telling the comic book. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we just don't have an account of this incident. Um, but like, I will say like Winston's probably the standout character of the comics. Cause like in the movies, he doesn't get a lot of, cause he doesn't show up to like, you know, three quarters of the way into the first movie. Second movie, they're all kind of like goofy, simplified versions of themselves. It's like, they don't get a lot of, he didn't get a lot of characterization. Like he, they, they dig into like what makes him tick a lot more and him being like kind of the normal guy, like, and that being a special role in the team. Yeah. That I like that part of what they're doing with him. It's like, they, they did have him go and did he go to night school and get, I want to he, say he went to night school. He, he is a, doctor. a, he is a doctor with them now. Yeah. So. Um, that that but, was an ongoing thing in the, in the comic. He was going to night school. Yeah. So like now he has the credentials to match the others, but he's also, he's like the, the, he, he well in the movies he's the audience's kind of ground floor. Oh, yeah. He he's there so they can explain stuff to him like the the containment yeah. unit and like the big Twinkie and stuff. But like now in the comic books he's sort of the one that's like wait no Egon like you you can't drill a hole through your head like let me like he's the one that try to stop them from doing crazy yeah. things um, which is which is and, fun to see. And one of the nice things in the comic now too is like they're kind of training like the next generation of ghostbusters has been like an ongoing thing i think that was called ghostbusters 101 was mm-hmm. the story where they but they stayed alluded that they were starting to do that then but like it's it's kind of cool that like they've already they've already passed on the torch a couple of times uh because there was like the new ghostbusters team which was janine kylie um and the the chevy chase character i can't remember his name ron, uh, and, alexander ron alexander yeah ron alexander and then their fbi friend they met they made earlier in the uh, Ortiz. Ortiz, yeah. Um, so, like, they kind of took over the ghost as the Ghostbusters for a while because we'll find out in the story, but, like, the original ones went missing and no one knows what happened. So that's also a story they're trying to figure out, you know, a mystery they're trying to unravel. Um, so Janine kind of has to assemble this, like, motley crew together, people that sort of know what they're doing. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a lot fun. of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a really, really great comic series. Like it's been consistently high quality the entire yeah, time. It's great. And it's it's probably the best way to continue that story, you know, now that uh, Harold Ramis has passed away and everybody's older. I mean, what better way to do it? If you're not going to do a cartoon, do it in a comic book form. Yeah, I, I think. And if they do a new cartoon, I think you can really adapt a lot of stuff from the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you could still take things like you could still take things from the original cartoon series and, and kind of play with them because they haven't met all of the ghosts from that. Although a lot of them are like Easter eggs and stuff in the background, like I've said. Um, there, there's a lot of fun things. I think the franchise still has legs and it's, I'm interested to see Afterlife. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I was cautiously optimistic about 2016 or as it's now known, Answer the Call. Because they went back on their bold decision to just call that Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, but like even yeah. back up in the comics is kind of fun. Like I think that's a, I don't think completely get rid of those characters, but I think having them be like a very minor presence in the comics is, is interesting. So they've shown up in like two stories now, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think like, just because that movie wasn't uh, everything, you know, we wanted it to be, doesn't mean like 
you abandon those characters. Every character has the potential to be cool and good. Yeah. I think that movie's problem was the writing and direction, directing. I, I think in a different, with a different writer and a different script and a definitely a different director who would kind of rein in all of the incessant improving. Um, I think that those, those actors could have put in a really good performance and something that's different from what we got in the 80s. Yeah. Because um, I, yeah. I, I remember being cautiously optimistic because I was like, I like the hearse ectomobile. I like the new jumpsuits where they look more like uh, like road workers with the the stripes and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I, aesthetically, I thought that was cool. I really like the jumpsuits. From yeah, and, I just wish I, I liked the, the movie. I like the concept too. I mean, I I think that having a a team of uh, female Ghostbusters is great again for representation and for having you know to show young girls that may look up to these characters. Like, yeah, you can be a doctor you can be a ghostbuster too and like i think that's i think that's a great message but like you said scott i think the writing like you look at you know the originals and it's like the four main characters they were super into this ghost thing but the rest of new york they were all kind of like really cynical about it and it was kind of grounded this one you know it's like no human beings would ever no, it, talk it, like this i mean is every character it, it's like i said the secrets goofy characters in a realistic world and you take the threat seriously like the whole movie like uh bill murray's goofing around and then when peck's about to shut down the containment movement he's like he gets for the first time in the movie he gets super serious you know like he's like no this would be an extraordinarily bad idea or whatever and like because he got serious it's like you you instantly as an audience member knew like the gravity of it. And of course they shut it down and it's like the worst thing that happened. It's the catalyst for a, a you know, a, a, a God to show up in, in the city to destroy the whole planet. Um, thank God Ray was trying, you know, it just popped in there. Uh, Cause even if they picked a giant J Edgar Hoover, that would have been much more disastrous. Um, did you guys read like the what if series that uh idw was doing for all their licensed book they did the what if the ghostbusters didn't cross the streams yeah no i, I didn't read it i didn't think it was all that good what the interesting thing is like gozer kind of starts taking on the personality of the form they have so they start becoming like really goofy and they just kind of like live in new york and like everyone's miserable and everything's covered in like marshmallow and monsters <laughs> and like gozer's like kind of like i kind of want to die can you figure out a way to kill me? Because it's like they can't really s- destroy anything. And they're like stuck in this horrible form that they don't want. And like nobody wants them there anyway. It- it's interesting, but I don't think it was particularly great. Um, but as a concept, it's cool that it happened. But it wasn't made by the same Ghostbusters team from the comics. And like it's definitely a- not nearly as high a quality. And I think that yeah. was the problem with it. Yeah. That, the. The team that has been working on the main Ghostbusters books. Eric Shanawar and Dan Shaning. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Shoning. Um, they're great. I, I, uh, I, if they were like, hey, we're done with Ghostbusters, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sad. I mean, I'd be sad to see it go, but like, I would be like, hey, what are you guys doing next? I want to know the next mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I wanted guys, to see them keep going on the Back to the Future book too because like they were they were doing some of the early work yeah i think they did the miniseries at least did all like like, you know they they did the art for all the covers at least um which was awesome i was so excited for that because of their work on ghostbusters um 
and then obviously, you know, I love Back to the Future. So if they could bring the same uh, level of quality to that, even better, you know? Yep. Is there a, a crossover between them or am I just... I don't think they've ever done it. I think you've just dreamed it. Okay. Not those two. Might, might happen. I mean, IDW has the rights to both, but... I don't know. What would you want them to do then? <laughs> I have no idea. Because obviously, obviously time travel... Buford Tannen. I mean, that would be cool. As long as... <laughs> oh, no, my God. No, no, no. The, the, all, all of the... All of the, the... All of Biff's ancestors come back to get revenge on Marty because of all his ancestors, like, of, of him... His ancestors foiling them in every time period. Um, see, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would really do with them. As long as there's some kind of race between the DeLorean and the Ecto-1, I'll be happy. Oh, you know, the some, DeLorean some would definitely of... win that because the Ecto-1 handling is terrible. <laughs> like, you see it, like, they have to speed up the footage because it has to take that turn out of the firehouse so wide because it's yeah. so windy. How you can turn that car. Oh, my God, it's um, amazing. I... I they're my two favorite pop culture vehicles and don't ask me to choose between one. I can't. Yeah. Uh, they also both have that like kind of slapdash sci-fi look to it that I love. Where it's just like stuff stuck to a car. Right. Um, that, that's the way to like young Harry's heart was like to just give me a cool movie car. Um, just loved it. All right. So obviously we're getting uh, Ghostbusters afterlife um, in, in the passing of, of Harold Ramis, which was one of the first, like one of the big celebrities that like when they died, I was like, Oh man, I was like bummed out the whole day. Um, even though I, I don't know him, but like he was such a big part of my childhood, uh, not just for Ghostbusters, but for like, he wrote and directed a lot of other movies. I really like, like Caddyshack. And he did a bunch of episodes of uh, the office and things I didn't realize at the, you know, at the time, but uh in, in a post-Harold Ramis world, uh, what would you guys have wanted to see them do with a ghost, like a modern Ghostbusters sequel? Like, uh, would you want them to have done like a, a clean break reboot or like a passing of the torch? In which case, like, who would you want to cast as your Ghostbusters? Well, for me, I, I think they had a period of time there where it was like the um, the rumor was they were going to pass the torch to like the Ben Stiller generation. Like mm-hmm. it was Ben Stiller and maybe like the kid from uh, 21 Jump Street, Jonah Hill or something. I don't know. There was some like weird, you know, there was a group of funny actors that they were supposed to, to pass the torch to in like the mid 2000s and it never happened. And then it was going to be the Judd Apatow crew and that never really I'm, happened i am really glad we dodged the judge at judd apatow bullet because <laughs> i don't want to see james franco as a ghostbuster right right which is fair um but no i you know i want to just see something that that keeps the uh that grounded element from the original but it's also funny it's not it doesn't take itself too seriously um you know if it, it doesn't have to have the originals for me if they don't want to do it then don't don't force them into it you know yeah i would say that was probably the the most awkward part of 2016 is they're not their original characters but like they all just kind of show up and it's like really distracting and i'm like oh all right especially with how long bill murray was like holding out yeah they're kind of like all right dude just like go did did we see zombie land in theaters together i remember seeing the first one in theaters and we didn't know bill murray was going to be in it 
No. And then they dressed up as Ghostbusters and did a whole thing. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, it was so great. I mean, I think that's where it started to turn the page, right? It was that cameo. And then he like came out at some like award show in his Ghostbusters gear and uh, the video game. And it was like, whoa, Bill Murray is back in the Ghostbusters fold, like all of a sudden. Yeah. Here it is, you know, after 20 years of saying he'll never do it again. Man, I'll say that video game is something of a minor miracle. Just that yeah. they all came back for that. Yeah. And, and, and that it's and that it's a fun and like funny and really does a good job continuing story. Because there's parts where like it's legitimately laugh out loud funny for me. Um and it really <laughs> makes was... you feel like you're a part of the team in it too. Even because your character's completely silent, so you kind of project yourself into them. There's a scene where they go back to the Sedgwick and like the, the manager is like, well, wait a minute. We, what do you mean there's problems here? Didn't we pay you enough the last time? And <laughs> I think uh, like Egon's like, well, people die every day. Like just deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and like Ray is like, well, you didn't get the extended, extended yeah, he warranty. Yeah, you didn't get the extended warranty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, that's great. Well, he says it in that way where it's like techno babble or it's like, well, you didn't get the extended, you know, thing for like repeat hauntings and like. <laughs> Like, you know, stuff like, uh, uh, it's such a, it's such a good game. And like, because you're with various Ghostbusters, like your team kind of changes throughout, like who you're teamed up with. Like it gives a chance for like the different personalities to really play off each other. Um, but like, it's, it's great. You go back to the library, you fight the gray lady. Um, they give her a name. I cannot remember. Uh, Twitty. Ellen Twitty. Twitty. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so good. Speaking of games though, they did a board game. For Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2 not too long ago. I haven't busted open my copy of 2. I just bought it on Kickstarter because I wanted it. But like, oh my god, they're so, so good. Harry and I have played them on many occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we played it one time with Brian and Becca. What was it? Chris, uh, New Year's Eve. And mm-hmm. we timed Ghostbusters 2 so that when the ball it hit midnight in real life, it hit midnight in the movie. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. I think that's we had just beaten the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in it. <laughs> yeah um, which was a lot of fun but it's a really fun like miniatures like strategy cooperative game yeah. um and but like the, the the kickstarter goals is like the game comes with the main four ghostbusters but then you can get they unlock the extreme ghostbusters characters um the other the new ghostbusters characters from the comic because mm-hmm. uh, it's all made but the same creative like they did all the art and wrote the stories and scenarios and stuff for it as the idw guys as the idw guys because it's an idw game all of the ghosts are based on classic toys. Um, the Boogaloo is one of the main ghosts in it. Oh, wow. But like a lot of, there was, I think it unlocked all of the Kickstarter stretch goals. So like a ton of the real Ghostbusters ghosts are in it and they have their own scenarios and like unique powers and abilities and stuff. It's really cool. We should really play it sometime. Maybe we'll It's great. Uh, we'll the thing I really like about it is like it's, it's co-op and you build your character, you gain experience. Oh yeah, you level up ghosts. in between scenarios too. So you can basically- play them as one-offs and tells you like what level you should start for that one. Or you can string a bunch of them together. Um, and each character gets something like if they have a special way to also earn experience. Like I think if Ray, or not Ray, if Peter gets slimed, do you think he gets one experience point? I know if Winston moves the Ecto-1, he gets an experience point. Um, I forget what they all are. It's been a minute since we played it, but I would, well, it's tough to play board games now, but um, <laughs> if we do play it, I would love to maybe stream a night of it that might be a lot of fun yeah for sure if you guys are interested in watching that uh let us know did that like men in black crossover board game come out it did come out i heard it wasn't very good so i never really looked into it 
Yeah, I know it's not this, at least on the art side of things, it's not the same art team as the IDW comic, mm. yeah. which is a bummer because as for my future of Ghostbusters, just give it to those guys. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe Hollywood can't handle it anymore. I don't know. I'm uh, optimistic for Afterlife, but we'll I think see. what makes Ghostbusters work is a very specific tone, and like it's hard to re- replicate that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's possible to really recapture that, at least completely. I, I, I hope. I really hope that afterlife is amazing and I can eat all these words. Um, I, I will say um, when we afterlife eventually does come out and we see it, I would love to do a review episode where we can talk about it in depth. Sure. Um, but right now there's not a lot to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of little Easter eggs and stuff in the trailer. I love that the Ecto one now has this, the gunner car, like sidecar, not si- it's not a sidecar, but like the gunner part that's from yeah, like, yeah. the toy, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. Um, I am a little upset that it's like a bunch of kids doing. I'm like, man, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> ben Wolfhart gets to be a Ghostbuster in two things now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's a lot of people's concern is like, oh, is this just kid Ghostbusters? Like, is this not going to be you know an adult it, team? It, and... If they're interesting, I kind of don't care. Like, as long as the character, yeah. like the, uh, they don't need to be like old schlubby guys. Like, whatever. Yeah. As long as it's good, that's all I care about. Yeah. And which, if, I know, which I know is a tall order these days, but <laughs> if the I mean with the the route the story seems to be going as far as like oh we found Spangler's old farm, I mean I feel like that works better with kids than it does for for older gentlemen, you know? Yeah. Uh, I you thing that I hope is that, you know, it's Jason Reitman that's working on it, son of Ivan, uh, the original director, and they have now 35 years worth of media to just pick and choose what what worked and what didn't work and what they want to use and what they don't need to use. Like they, they now have the 2016 movie and they can see why people didn't like it. You know, maybe there's a lot of different reasons, but um, you know, there's, they have that experience and um, hopefully they can use that to build a great, film yeah um i mean i'll say like you know you can see like the shandor mining so it probably relates back to stuff from the first movie um yeah i i don't know i don't i think just make it okay it's not hard to be the best ghostbusters sequel (laughs) um and kendall i know it's like you and i always have been saying like our whole lives like just give us as long as it's good if give us something different I've seen the going into business aspect of it multiple times now. That's yeah. what every other movie has been. That's why I'm kind of fine that this doesn't seem to be, this, this seems to be a more personal story than a, oh yeah, this is just like our job. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if we can set it up so like they can be doing that or like they're like a, like a Ghostbusters team can exist because I'm sure they'll want to make sequels and, all kinds of stuff to it because that's we only live in a franchise world now do you guys remember when the movie was just kind of good like going ghostbusters came out yeah yeah um original movies yeah um Um, no i mean there's now the ghost core like franchise i mean it's just it's on the sony lot like there's a giant facade of the firehouse and it's like 
that's where Ivan Reitman, that's his office. That's and, been the best thing they've made in the last 20 years. <laughs> they just, um, I mean, they just sit there and they come up with new things. There, there's a plan for, like I said, the animated movie uh, spinoff. There's a, Dan Aykroyd is talking about a Ghostbusters high where like, it's like a, a prequel where they all, it shows you how they all met. And you know, I guess Winston's just going to be chopped liver. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the Ghostbusters franchise is not stopping anytime soon. That's so you would sure. say it's not dead? It's not dead. Yeah. Um, not dead. So did you guys ever watch the original Ghostbusters with Tracy the Gorilla? Or, or the cartoon not. related to that? Mm-mm. I kind of love it. It's super cheesy and pretty bad, but like I like really goopy, bad media like that. Um, the cartoon is actually kind of interesting. It's the descendants of the original TV show, and they're fighting like a like a like a bunch of ghosts that their fathers had caught that escaped in the future and like are kind of going back through time to torment the new characters. And it's actually kind of interesting. They do reference them a, quite a bit in the the IDW comics. Like, there's a lot of little nods to Tracy the Gorilla and stuff. Um, they show like a, the Ghostbusters multiverse, and it's very clearly like those characters at some point. Oh, wow! Yeah, <laughs> that's um, a cool callback. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say it's good. Probably really not worth looking too hard to find it. But if they're just on YouTube or something, uh, check them out. It's something a little bit different, and it's called Ghostbusters, and it was called it first. That's why the, their cartoon is called the original Ghostbusters, and they had to call the Ghostbusters cartoon the real Ghostbusters because they couldn't just call it Ghostbusters. They had to pay to like call the movie that, and lawyers, the, and the movies become so incredibly iconic that nobody associates it with this stupid corny old gorilla show. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. They have like a, a like a phantom. Uh, what's the thing from Superman? The Phantom Zone. They have like mm. this Phantom Zone desi- device that they like suck ghosts into, and that's like their trap. <laughs> um, but they they'll fight like you know like silly draculas and things like that it's very very cartoony or very like slapsticky and for kids um like the like the dracula has like teeth that are like chatter but like they have fangs <laughs> uh, you know what i mean like it's it's like dude in a gorilla costume is like their main guy so and he's got like a little beanie on his head i don't know i i find it amusing um it's just a, it's just an interesting footnote since we're just talking about ghostbusters in general um but yeah, I don't. I, I don't think we've left many stones unturned here. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's. Something. I mean, the, I mean, the toys were always fun, but like, I preferred the toys that were like per, play play Ghostbuster toys, mm. like you know the toy mm. proton packs and things like that. Versus like, oh, I have a Peter that if you squeeze him, his head pops off. Yeah. My favorite was uh, I had a Lewis Tully action figure that if you like ran him under cold water, he would be slime. <laughs> I mean that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Also, Lewis just doesn't get enough love. I, he's probably my favorite character in the first movie. He's I think he might be the funniest character. He is so especially when he gets possessed. Yeah, it's just that's playing at people in Central Park. Oh my god! One so, of my favorite scenes in the first one where he's banging on Tavern at the Green and like the people just look at him and then they just go right back to eating <laughs> yeah. again. And that's like, that's yeah. a, I, I love that. Very I love accurate. That yeah. Version of New York, you know? I, I love that. That's a scene in the pinball game. Yeah. 
You see it on the dot matrix display. Um, it just cracks I, me up every time. I think his favorite, his best scene is also probably the most technically interesting one of the, his party is all one take. And I think I remember from the commentary, he improvised, I think that whole scene. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like amazing. And you have to, everyone in it has to be flawless since they're doing the one take. But I love that he's throwing a party and because he's an accountant, he only invited clients so he could write it all off as like, work related that's so great but like not only that but when every new client comes in he tells like their entire like tax (laughs) information to the whole party he's like yeah so they've got their they're okay yeah yeah, they're doing okay they have this business and they do that and like oh my god it's so good (laughs) and then it ends with you know the uh, vince clortho's in his bed and he throws a thing on him and he's like all right who brought the dog and just (laughs) chases him out but like the, someone the brought other... a tiger to a party or something. Right, and somebody <laughs> brought a cougar to cougar, his apartment. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> like that, that, those like incidental New Yorkers, like that react oh to the stuff going on. I, there, there's the horse carriage driver. I was about like, to bring him up. Him. That's my favorite line in the entire movie. I think the one I quote the most, and I can't quote it here. But he was like, "You'll perish in flames," and like <laughs> stares at him. And he's just like, oh. I, I don't want to say it here because I don't want to yeah. edit it out, but. But it's, it's it, one of my favorite lines feels, in anything. Yeah. Well, it almost feels like they didn't actually hire actors. They just like film these things in New York, and this is how New Yorkers would react to them. Like, there's oh, the guy on the elevator where, like, he's like, "I'll take the next one," you know. After yeah. He sees him getting on the elevator. It's great. Oh, and the one where they like shoot the the maid right after that, and she's like, <laughs> "What's going on? What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, and they're like, sorry, sorry. Uh, like We you know. thought you were someone else. Yeah. <laughs> but I also love like when the, the after Lewis is possessed, the police get him. They bring him to the Ghostbusters house, uh, the firehouse. They knock on the door and Janine just comes out like picking up or dropping off. And dropping <laughs> off. And it's just, just like oh, such fun mundane dialogues of dialogue. Like that, that police officer tells him, he's like, well, the, the county lockup doesn't want him. And we know that you guys are into this kind of stuff. So yeah. here you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh have some uh, have some coffee yes have some yeah yeah the the scene in the mayor's office not the dogs and cats mass hysteria everybody knows that but like yeah. just the whole craziness with like getting the bishop to come in yeah <laughs> oh it's so, so good. good you'll be saving the lives of millions of registered voters <laughs> there's so much good stuff yeah, here. like <laughs> like every line is so good and just like Maybe it is. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe we could call it perfect because I don't think I think the movie would be lesser if you take any part of it out. Mm. Even though even though maybe not necessarily everything pushes the story forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's just great. It's it's a timeless classic, and uh, you know, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it tonight for a while. Uh, anytime, but it's after Star Trek, uh, Ninja Turtles, and Ghostbusters are the things I want to talk about the most. Um, speaking of we have star trek episodes planned up but uh since this is going to be the episode i guess we'll start getting into the the end game here um this is sort of an unofficial start since it's horror related unofficial start to our uh october plans where i'm going to have different horror related episodes every week for the next month uh all throughout october um just because it's halloween and uh this stuff is fun to talk about and it's good for uh, analytics and stuff so you know people are searching for these things um I think next week we're going to be talking like uh, some cosplay uh, tips and tricks so you can get your costumes ready for uh, Halloween. Uh, hopefully that happens. 
Um, but even not like it's good in just in general, but I know we're going to talk about what makes good horror video games. We're going to talk Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. We're going to talk Friday the 13th. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a couple more horror things. Um, I've got them all lined up. I'm looking forward to it all. We're going to have like horror comic recommendations, which is something I'm curious about because uh, my horror comics are a little bit old school. I haven't read a lot of new ones. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. Um, you know, hopefully everyone enjoyed this episode. I love talking to you guys about Ghostbusters. It's like I said, it's one of my favorite so things in the world. Um, and like I always tell people like, we'll probably circle back to the topics, even though they've happened. I know we'll definitely talk about afterlife uh, on the show, uh, you know, whether or not it's with you guys or you guys and someone else or just new people. Um, we'll definitely talk about that because I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot to say about it just because it's a new Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, any final thoughts, you guys? Um, yeah, Ghostbusters is great. It's, you know, that first movie is my second favorite movie ever. Um, yeah, watch it often. And uh, yeah, I guess regardless of the, the state of the world, um, if you take anything from this podcast, just make sure you do celebrate Halloween in some way so that the boogaloo doesn't come and <laughs> get us. Um, yeah, Halloween, very important. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't say anything else other than that. I mean, just go out and uh, enjoy, you know, if you ever wanted to be a Ghostbuster, like Kendall was saying, go get some cardboard, paint it up, strap it to your back, and you're a Ghostbuster. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this franchise. Anybody can do it. Yeah, I, it was one of my favorite games to play as a kid was playing Ghostbusters. No one was ever the ghost. We would just pretend that they were, like, flying around. Because no one wanted to do that. It's more fun to blast things with a proton stream. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I guess with that, we'll sign off. Um, thank, thank my guests for coming. I really appreciate you guys coming out and talking about this for two hours. I kind of knew this was going to be a two-hour one uh, going into it just because there's a lot to talk about. And I know we all really like this series. Um, but thank you guys again so much. Um, So until next time, uh, just be safe.